Well, welcome to Reason for Hope. My name is Adrian Van Vactor, and I'm in studio with our senior pastor, Scott Richards. Hey, everybody. How you doing, sir? I'm doing fantastic. Good. It is another exciting day. we got lots to talk about. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll get right to it. Uh, this is a Reason for Hope, a weekday uh, Bible answer program where you, our live stream audience, can ask our pastoral staff here at Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson uh, questions about the Bible, the historic Christian faith, uh, how to apply specific scriptures or how to interpret the Bible, uh, whether it be <clears throat> how to uh, walk in a stronger sense of faith or perhaps just trying to understand who God is and our relationship to him. So I really encourage you to check us out and uh, ask a question. And uh, really, there's no question that's um, <clears throat> not allowed as long as it's pertaining to the Christian faith or world religions and that it's sincere from the heart. And so we'd encourage you to ask a question. And um, there are multiple ways you can do that. First of all, you can directly email us. Uh, that's questionsforhope at gmail.com. That's questionsforhope, all letters, no numbers, at gmail.com. You can also join us on Facebook. <clears throat> just go to facebook.com forward slash CCF Tucson, or you can just search for Calvary Christian Fellowship and find us uh, on our page and join the live stream and then use the chat box to ask your questions. The same is true with YouTube. Just use the chat box, uh, post your question there. Again, uh, we, we, we do encourage folks to use the comment section for questions and not too much dialogue, although obviously you know, that's entirely up to you. That's what it's there for. But uh, if you want, if you don't mind using that to ask questions, that'd be great. And you can go to YouTube and just search for our channel, which is A Reason for Hope. Or you can go directly to our URL, which is youtube.com forward slash the at symbol, A Reason for Hope 546. Now, if you want to avoid social media altogether, you can just go to our website. That's calvarychristianfellowship.com and click that watch live <clears throat> link in the navigation. And that'll take you to our live stream. Not only that, but you can watch all of our services on all these platforms uh, Wednesday evenings. And we have our 6.30 p.m. Oasis service where we are currently going through the book of Ezekiel. And Sunday mornings, we're going through the book of Acts. And that's 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. So we live stream all our services. We also keep a sort of copy <laughs> of everything we live stream, including this program, again, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. That's a reason for hope. And uh, we archive all these on those same social media platforms. And of course, if you go to our website, you can watch an archive of all of our uh, messages and services. We, we teach book by book. So if you want to kind of go back and look at a specific series, for example, I want to do a, a study of the book of Colossians. I'm, I'm doing a, a home group Bible study, and I just kind of want to know what, what Pastor Scott has to say about this specific passage, and since he goes through it in order, it's very easy to go through the study of the book of Colossians. So I'd encourage you to do that as well. And so, <clears throat> in fact, to make it really easy for you, uh, you don't even have to go to our website. You can just go straight to our website and down, I'm sorry, go straight to the uh, Apple or Google Play Store and download our app. Yes, we have an app. And uh, it's nifty because it has a digital Bible. It's, it's a nifty calendar. app. It's a nifty app. It's, <laughs> it's great. <Yeah. laughs> you can uh, download that. It's got a digital Bible, our calendar of events. You can do giving that way. Uh, you can join and create chat groups. You can register your children for Children's Church uh, and so much more. So I'd encourage you to uh, download that if you are part of our community. Also, if you are someone who tends to 
watch our services online and you happen to have one of those smart devices like a Roku or an Amazon Fire Stick or something like that, you can add our channel. Just do a search on those devices for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson. You will see that little red icon with the white dove and you know that's us and you can add our channel to your smart device and watch our services that way. Last, I'd like to encourage you to follow our senior pastor on the X platform, formerly Twitter, and you can do so, and his handle is at ScottR4H. That's at ScottR4H. Well, before we get to your questions and we do our uh, daily uh, prophecy update, we'll take a moment to pray and ask God to give us grace and wisdom as we take your questions. Yeah, let's do that. Father, I thank you for your presence here. We invite you, Lord, to lead us into all truth as we answer questions, as we explore what's going on in this world. Help us to have your eyes to see, Lord, uh, and a uh, commitment to see this world through the lens of your divinely inspired word uh, from Genesis to Revelation, uh, inspired, inerrant, authoritative. Help us to learn what it means uh, to be in submission to your word, not try to make your word somehow in submission to our ideas or our desires or our priorities. Uh, We pray, Father, that you would allow us to be able to walk in your ways and know your truth, uh, because that's the pathway of peace, even in these uh, incredibly challenging times we live in. So lead us, guide us, meet us here, and we pray that we would come away from this broadcast with a deeper and fuller relationship with you than we've ever had before. In Jesus' name, Mm -hmm. amen. Amen. Well, let me tell you, lot of uh, crazy stuff going on in this world. You needed me to tell you that. Uh, a little bit of a prophecy update for you from events over the weekend. Uh, probably the, uh, the number one issue that is going on right now is uh, the uh, after uh, effects of a, uh, a message that was delivered in public in London, England, Uh, where a uh, representative of uh, radical Islam uh, declared that we should make the same kind of catastrophes, the same kind of massacres that happened to Israel on October 7th, normalized, part of the status quo. Uh, Well, apparently uh, this fellow, his name is Al-Kurd, found that it was probably not a good idea to uh, be quite uh, so open and honest Uh, about his uh, desire. So uh, they tried to backtrack, first with the famous, uh, my remarks were taken out of context. It was out of context. Uh, And then when they showed the context of it, they said, well, no, actually, uh, we can uh, uh, adjust uh, the uh, subtitles of what he was saying to say that we should not normalize these sort of things, although that runs completely contrary to everything he said on the lead-up. I guess uh, the, the bottom line in all of this, is that uh, if someone tells you who you who they are, believe them. I think it was Maya Angelou who famously said that. I uh, believe uh, it was uh, also Ellie Wiesel who said, if someone says they want to kill you, you need to believe them as well. Uh, so uh, that was a, a very interesting development. But uh, probably uh, the, the, the main uh, issue that is going on right now is uh, an in intensifying of uh, the uh, conflict, uh, not just between Israel and, uh, and Hamas in uh, Gaza. It, it does appear that Israel is uh, withdrawing a number of its units from Gaza and redeploying them to the north 
in Lebanon. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, there's a couple of different theories behind all of this. One of them is that uh, northern Gaza does appear to be under IDF control. Uh, they don't need to have as many of their divisions there on site in Gaza to be able to accomplish what they want to accomplish, and that is to continue to degrade Hamas's ability to um, exist as a uh, terrorist entity and, uh, again, put pressure on them to release the hostages. Uh, the uh, head of the IDF uh, was quoted as saying that uh, one of the reasons that Israel is not going to withdraw militarily from Gaza, as increasing international pressure would have them to do, is that this would condemn the 130-some hostages that have been taken to years, years of captivity, that the only uh, uh, wedge that Israel has, the only edge in negotiations they have is the uh, continuing degradation of uh, Hamas's ability to be able to function as a terrorist entity. Uh, and so I think we're going to see Israel continuing to do that. Uh, they are about the business of taking over a strip of land in Gaza called the, uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, Philadelphia uh, Corridor, which uh, exists between Egypt and uh, Gaza. I guess it would be the last part of Gaza that would abut uh, the uh, border with Egypt. And if Israel is able to do this, it basically gives uh, the terrorists in Hamas uh, no possible uh, alternative to escape. Although, as you can probably tell us, Adrian, from your experience in Egypt, the Egyptians are not interested in any way, shape, or form of having uh, Hamas leaders, Hamas followers, Palestinians in general, cross over into their country. They've uh, unequivocally stated that if Israel tried to facilitate that sort of thing, they would declare war on Israel. So uh, that's what's going on in Gaza. Uh, as far as Lebanon is concerned, the, you know, on uh, Friday we talked about uh, whether we are seeing this uh, conflict uh, becoming a regional war. And uh, over the weekend there have been uh, further strikes on the uh, terrorist in infrastructure in Yemen. Uh, some of these strikes have uh, been identified as being by the United States uh, in response to the Houthi rebels continuing to target even uh, United States uh, registry tankers and transport ships in that part of uh, the uh, Persian Gulf and leading into the Red Sea. Uh, but uh, as a result of this, Iran is getting a little bit upset because the Houthi rebels are one of their wholly owned sub subsidiaries. And to understand where this is going, uh, it's fascinating uh, because uh, on the one side of the coin, uh, the United States foreign policy towards Iran has uh, almost been uh, like, uh, I believe it was Winston Churchill who said it, but he was probably quoting someone else, that a appeasement is uh, feeding the alligator and hoping it gets full before it eats you. Uh, that has been the United States policy towards Iran, uh, literally freeing up billions of uh, dollars um, in gold for them to be able to use at whatever discretion they uh, are involved with uh, for the, uh, in exchange for the idea that they promised to be nice and not pursue nuclear weapons and, and so on. Uh, it uh, really hasn't worked very well. And uh, one of the things that I think you discover when you're dealing particularly with Islamic terrorist uh, ideologies, is this. Any sign of weakness, any sign of trying to attempt uh, detente, 
if you will, or some kind of uh, peace, is perceived by them as weakness and an opportunity to be able to uh, press their uh, their colonializing and, uh, and aggressive tendencies in uh, the particular region. So when the United States bends over backwards to be nice to Iran, what have we seen? Well, we've seen, in essence, uh, the temperature go up. There are those who believe that one of the reasons for the October 7th uh, massacre that took place was Iran's way of getting even, in a sense, with the United States uh, for the uh, droning of Qasem Soleimani, the Iranian, uh, the Iranian Republican Guard Corps uh, general and mastermind of Iran's plan to use uh, these uh, various proxy groups to attack and degrade and eventually overwhelm Israel. Uh, there are those, in fact, uh, Amir Sarfati, our, our good friend, talked about the uh, idea uh, that uh, all of these uh, attacks were supposed to be coordinated at one point. There's a fascinating article uh, running in uh, the Jerusalem Post today with this headline, Does Iran Want to Trigger a Regional Conflict? From a writer by the name of uh, Salem uh, Al-Khattabi. He is uh, a columnist who writes out of the United Arab Emirates. And it is uh, Al-Khattabi's uh, point of view that uh, Iran, uh, in a sense, doesn't want to uh, see their proxies further degraded, that the original plot and plan was for Hamas to attack Israel in the south, that the massacre that was going on there was just uh, one jab at Israel, that this would be followed by Hezbollah attacking from the north and Syria attacking from the northeast and the Houthi rebels attacking from, say, the south and uh, going after, uh, say, uh, the city of Alat on the Red Sea in the farther, farthermost southern part of Israel. This was all supposed to be coordinated at once. Well, the thing fell apart when uh, Hamas decided that they wanted the glory for attacking Israel all for themselves. That is why they called their operation Al-Aqsa Flood, uh, somehow they got in their mind that this was going to create a catalyst or that other Hamas-sensitive and uh, sympathetic individuals, particularly in the West Bank, would follow their lead and have a massive terrorist attack against Israel and that uh, then uh, the others would join in. But they would have uh, the glory of saying that they were the ones who started it all. Well, the fact of the matter was they started it and Iran went, wait a minute, this wasn't the way this was supposed to go down. And so... Uh, Hezbollah uh, launched a couple of rockets at Israel, but that was about it. Uh, the Houthis got involved uh, quite a bit later as far as going after shipping traffic in uh, that part of the world. Uh, and Syria really hasn't done a whole lot. And so uh, the operation kind of got scrambled. That seems to be uh, what the leading analysis says. And because of that, I Iran is desperately trying to backtrack and now trying to save face in this world, uh, in this region of the, of the world, by, uh, well, in a sense, courting a uh, battle with the United States. I think Iran is convinced the United States does not want to enter into some kind of massive showdown with Iran uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, Russia and China have both indicated that they would support Iran against the United States in any kind of conflict. Uh, and so Iran is, in essence, betting on that. Uh, as a result, uh, there were sirens in uh, the American consulate in a place called Erbil in Iraq, 
Uh, five explosions were heard near the, the building just before our airtime uh, here today. Wow. Accounts affiliated with Iran's Revolutionary Guards tweet Quranic verses dealing with revenge. This is alongside unofficial reports of the launch of ballistic missiles from the Kermanshah region of Iran, apparently towards American targets in Erbil. According to foreign reports, the attack is directed at Israeli targets as well. So what is Iran up to? Well, the Iranian Revolutionary Guards announced they attacked uh, with ballistic missiles the spy headquarters of the anti-Iranian terrorist organizations in Erbil in Iraq, including the Erbil airport and the United States consulate there. Uh, In essence, I think what they are doing is responding to the fact that the United States has hit one of their proxies, done serious damage to one of their proxies in Yemen, and now has to communicate to their other proxies, hey, 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 you've got to stay in this game with us. You can't can't back away from us. We're still calling the shots here. Uh, You know, for instance, uh, for Hezbollah to go underground, you know, to cease any kind of conflict with Israel at this particular point would be absolutely disastrous for Iran's uh, status in the world. Now, understand something. The reason that this make is so significant is it's not the militias. It's not the proxies that are attacking American targets now. It is Iran directly. They launched the missiles from a very symbolic place, the place called Kerman in Iran. If you remember... Uh, in Kerman, uh, the uh, Martyrs uh, Cemetery is there. And on the fourth anniversary of Qasim Soleimani's uh, droning death by the United States in 2020, uh, there was that uh, bombing that took place when people were there gathering at his graveside to uh, honor uh, this uh, brilliant military mastermind, but utterly vicious and corrupt individual. So uh, with, with Iran going, we've got to do something. We have to show that we aren't uh, impotent, we aren't powerless. We've got to do something. Uh, I believe they think that they can get away with, say, the Houthis launching a ballistic missile at a U.S. tanker. There was an engagement with a U.S. destroyer uh, earlier that took place here. And again, over the weekend, a number of different attacks, some admittedly, by the United States on uh, Houthi uh, key infrastructure, like their uh, radar emplacements and and so on, their missile storage areas in uh, Yemen. But also, uh, we have seen unidentified uh, agents being involved with attacking the Houthis. And by unidentified, there is speculation that uh, Israel is now flying sorties in and uh, degrading and destroying the Houthi rebels' ability to be able to create mayhem in the, in the Gulf. Now, Iran's got to push back. And uh, one of the things we talked to you about on Friday, and this is kind of in the Odyssey files under we get tired of being right all the time, uh, you know, our own uh, Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, said that it was the United States' uh, intense desire and uh, stated policy that this conflict that is going on between Israel and Hamas uh, would be local and not a regional conflict. Well, it's already gone regional. Uh, The fact that uh, Hezbollah is now stepping up its attacks against Israel in the north and vice versa. Uh, The fact that Iran is directly, not through proxies, but directly attacking United States targets in Iraq. Uh, That the puppet government in Iraq has already told the United States they are no longer welcome 
in that territory and that they have to get out uh, as soon as possible, that the United States is responding to the fact that 15% of all world commerce goes through uh, this junction of uh, between Yemen and the Red Sea and the Horn of Africa, and that the Houthis have already said that they're going to attack the largest U.S. military em- emplacement in Africa, in the country of Djibouti. Uh, I would say you put all these things together and we've got a regional conflict, uh, more than a regional conflict. It appears that more and more power players are getting involved here. Turkey has uh, expressed their desire to become more actively involved in uh, this particular conflict against Israel. In fact, a, uh, a member of uh, an Israeli member of a uh, soccer team in the, the Turkish leagues was arrested and held overnight in jail because uh, he held up uh, a wristband that said, remember the October 7th uh, uh, attacks and the hostages. Hmm. Well, uh, Turkey immediately arrested him and there was a big uh, dust up and he has been uh, booted out of the country and uh, brought back to Israel. So uh, what does this mean from a prophetic point of view? Well, I think what it means is we are smack dab in the middle of uh, what we would call a birth pain. Uh, Wars and rumors of wars, particularly revolving around Israel, are increasing at a fever pitch. Uh, We are seeing that uh, the prophecy in Zechariah 12 of all nations of the world uh, seeing Jerusalem as a cup of reeling and a stone of stumbling Mm. uh, is uh, coming to pass before our eyes. I think we are going to see uh, that the United States is going to have to figure out what its foreign policy is. It can't have its cake and eat it too as far as Iran is concerned, with Iran openly going up uh, against uh, U.S. even diplomatic targets uh, with ballistic missiles and so on. Uh, But uh, I think uh, what we're going to see when it's all said and done uh, long term is that uh, this uh, particular conflict uh, is going to expand. Uh, In fact, uh, in Uh, That analysis in the Jerusalem Post, written by the uh, commentator from the United Arab Emirates, he writes, Iran and its terrorist proxies in the Middle East are working toward a full-scale regional conflict. This conflict would serve their interests and achieve Iran's strategic goals, which could benefit China and Russia. Now, very interesting. What would uh, China, how would China benefit from this? Well, if the United States is distracted uh, trying to manage things here in the Middle East, Uh, Their stated goal of taking over Taiwan uh, would be very uh, greatly facilitated. They may make a move along this line, particularly seeing us as um, having weak leadership right now. And we talked a little bit about the weakness of our leadership and how that's been demonstrated. But uh, also Russia is very much interested in all of this, because if the world's attention is now focused on Israel and Iran, then suddenly all of the international pressure about their dealings in the Ukraine and some saber rattling, by the way, from highly placed individuals uh, within the Russian government that Poland might be next on their list. So, uh, you know, when you're talking about a conflict between NATO and Russia, you know, when you're talking about uh, the the red Chinese going in and uh, taking uh, the island of Taiwan, uh, you begin to see how all these different threads work out. And uh, because Iran is a part of uh, this axis of evil, along with Russia and China, uh, their interests uh, 
coalesce together. Uh, and uh, I think you're going to see uh, this thing become less of a Middle Eastern conflict and more of an international conflict as things go on. But remember the thing about birth pains that Jesus told us about. Like uh, labor pains, uh, they will increase to a fever pitch. Uh, we're going to think, oh my goodness, are we looking at World War III here or something along that line? And then suddenly it's all going to go away. Now, how is it all going to go away? Well, maybe there's going to be some uh, opportunity to see uh, the hostages released. Uh, Israel would probably uh, be willing to negotiate uh, terms uh, for some kind of switchover in the government in Gaza and uh, no longer pursue uh, their military aims there if the hostages are released. So they still have that card to play. It'll be very interesting to see if that happens in the coming week. Is it safe to say that the operations in Gaza have been successful in the sense that further incursions or or more uh, violent attacks could are now prevented and 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 have they started the seawater flooding of those tunnels and all that is there is there a you know lot we've, of... we've been told that um, I haven't seen any follow-ups on that uh, and I am skeptical of that because uh, although the seawater flooding of the tunnels would be the best way to remove that uh, terrorist infrastructure. Uh, remember, along with the bad guys, you'd be taking out the good guys. Mm. You know, and as long as there is a possibility of rescuing these hostages, and I think, you know, it's cruel and it's barbaric, but uh, even today, Hamas uh, released pictures of three of the hostages as so called proof of life uh, that uh, they are still alive, you know, holding up. Uh, say, newspapers with today's date on it and things like that. Mm. Uh, they know that that is the only thing that I think is uh, restricting Israel from just stamping them out mm. completely once and for all. Uh, you know, spiritually, you know, I, I just, uh, you know, felt this uh, fellow Al Kurd's uh, remarks in Great Britain about normalizing the idea of these kinds of genocidal acts uh, and uh, the uh, British government is saying, well, we're going to really have to reevaluate whether that, you know, is unacceptable uh, speech or not. Well, in Great Britain, you can be arrested for protesting outside of an abortion clinic. Yeah. But somehow calling for the genocide of Jews is protected speech. Uh, if you were not familiar with this because it wasn't covered in the news, a huge demonstration took place outside of the White House of pro-Palestinian and pro-Hamas mm -hmm. demonstrators, <clears throat> including uh, individuals that were attempting to breach the security wall that had been uh, put up there. Uh, it seems to me that that kind of behavior at one point was called an insurrection. Uh, the, uh, the protest, which involved thousands of protesters, and included the evacuation of key personnel from the White House mm. as a precaution, was labeled by our media mostly peaceful protest. An unguided tour. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, the, you know, again, we see the mystery of lawlessness is continuing. Mm -hmm. uh, the strong deception the Bible speaks of in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, especially revolving around the Jewish people. Uh, the fact that uh, there are individuals who consider themselves mm -hmm. tolerant, uh, they consider themselves peace-loving, but uh, seemingly have no problems whatsoever calling for the extermination of the Jews or making apologies and providing safe ha haven for individuals calling uh, for the same treatment of the Jews that Adolf Hitler did, uh, you know, saying, well, in the interest of academic freedom, we can't really silence these voices. But if you use the wrong pronouns, right. you're going to get thrown out of the school. 
or if you there, there's sort of a, a selective authoritarianism <laughs> there that is very very interesting and i think cannot be explained apart from the spiritual apart mm -hmm. from the fact that this strong delusion that is ultimately going to lead the world to follow the antichrist is really gaining traction and gaining a foothold if you don't receive the love of the truth god's word to be saved you haven't chosen nothing you've chosen something you haven't chosen you know sort of twilight you've chosen darkness and in the book of ephesians chapter 2 we are told that satan is actively at work in the hearts mm -hmm. of those who are the sons of disobedience <clears throat> just as the holy spirit is at work in the hearts and lives of people to make us mm -hmm. like jesus mm -hmm. uh you know again the devil tries to do the same thing uh through the various means that he has not of uh, changing people's hearts from the the inside out but uh, by influencing them you know again false doctrine is satan's number one strategy yeah. is that who paul's referring to in corinthians where he says the god of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving yeah exactly mm -hmm. exactly so you know i, I think i think we're going to see that mm -hmm. and i think it's going to be uh more and more clear and the lines are going to be more and more uh demarcated uh, as far as who stands with god and who doesn't and I think that's going to happen inside the church as well. Mm -hmm. I think uh, some of these uh, groups and organizations that have tried to have their cake and eat it too as far as uh, building bridges with the other side. Oh, we've got to be tolerant and we've got to, you know, demonstrate God's love at the expense of truth. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think you're going to be able to stand in that slippery slope for very long until you fall completely over the edge. And I think that's what we're going to see. Wow, Erbil. Erbil, I did... A whole day of events there. Wow. About uh, a while ago, about 2015 or 16, we did a whole festival. We had a lot of people show up. It's a high Christian population, the largest Christian population in the whole country. Well, that would uh, also probably explain why Iran thought it was appropriate to lob a few uh, ballistic missiles their way. Not just the U.S. targets, but oh well, collateral damage. Yeah. Uh, very interesting. Uh, in that uh, analysis uh, from the uh, uh, commentator from the UAE, uh, one of the bullet points is that Tehran is indifferent to human casualties. Uh, again, the assessments of Iranian anger relate primarily to the increasing attacks on Iran's regional proxies. These proxies are under heavy attack by U.S. forces in the Israeli army in Syria and Iraq. However, Tehran seems indifferent to human casualties and counter operations regardless of the significant and weight of the casualties. Mm. Wow. So. In 2006, when Gaza was given full control and the IDF went and dragged their countrymen out of Gaza, out of their homes, and said, Gaza's yours, they elected Hamas. This was in 2006. Right. That was the same year that there was the last big conflict with Hezbollah in Lebanon. Right. Uh, were those two events related? Well, uh, in a sense, uh, I think, you know, as we mentioned, you have to understand the mind, the, the Muslim mindset. Uh, the, the Muslim mindset, for those who are of the particular brand that is being practiced, practiced in the Middle East, not to paint it with too broad of a brush, but uh, the, the main Muslim mindset is to establish a worldwide caliphate through military means. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you can persuade people to convert, that's fine. But uh, the, the main thing that they believe is going to happen is that they will conquer the weakened West, uh, you know, the, the uh, Friday people and the, uh, the Sunday people, mm -hmm. if you will. 
Uh, and uh, the, the minute that you show any kind of weakness, you can expect these kind of probing sort of uh, endeavors to see how much you can get away with. Uh, one of the, the reasons that I think this horrible atrocity took place as far as Israel is concerned is because uh, by the best intelligence of Hamas and their handlers in Iran, uh, Israel was a hopelessly divided country. Mm-hmm. It was on the edge of, uh, of uh, consuming itself with the protests about judicial reform and so forth. And I think you show individuals like this any kind of weakness, uh, they're going to uh, capitalize on it. They're going to see how far they can go to achieve their ends in violent and military ways, and they don't care who gets hurt in the process. Mm. So. Well, thank you for the update, Pastor Scott, and stay tuned. Uh, you know, every <clears throat> every day when we do this broadcast, you can get a up-to-date, by-the-minute, really, uh, of what's going on. And also, I want to remind everyone, for those of you who are really intrigued about Bible prophecy, about uh, what's going on and how it relates to the nation of Israel and how it relates to uh, God's unfolding plan for human history or the culmination of human history, I might say. Uh, So I want to encourage you to, if you're in the Tucson area, to join us this weekend. Uh, we have our Understanding Israel Conference. So I want to uh, encourage you to go to our website, calvarychristianfellowship.com, and simply uh, click on the Understanding Israel, and you can register. It's only $25, and uh, it's a Friday evening and Saturday conference. Also, if you go to that same page, we have a series of messages pertaining to biblical prophecy. Most of these are very recent, as well as uh, messages by Pastor Sean on why we stand with Israel. And of course... A three-parter uh, there. Yeah. Four, actually. Yeah, the, yeah, the, but we have three up on the, uh, the website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fourth one uh, is... Uh, Pending. Remaining, <laughs> remaining absent for some reason. But uh, uh, you can see we have several messages we've taught just in the last several months since the October 7th uh, attack. Uh, about the significance of what's going on. And so I'd encourage you to check some of these messages out, but that's all on that Israel page. And um, uh, if you can join the, if you can join us for the conference, that would be uh, really great. I think you'll be very encouraged and uh, very uh, informed as well. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, we've got a few questions uh, in queue. Okay. So let's uh, get to those. Um, Ina or Ina, uh, thanks for your, uh, tuning in uh, from Ukraine, uh, was asking, who was Martin Luther King Jr., and why do we celebrate him, and should we celebrate Malcolm X as well? Uh, thank you. Well, Mar- uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, was uh, in his Martin Luther King Jr. Day uh, today. Uh, it has always it has been our tradition in the past to read uh, the excerpt from Martin Luther King Jr.'s famous I Have a dream speech, uh, and uh, basically that speech given on the wa- the Washington Mall uh, was one of the highlight moments of the civil rights movement. Uh, in fact, uh, the thing that's really remarkable about Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech is that uh, he uh, completely uh, removed his prepared remarks and at the last minute decided to preach a sermon. Uh, now, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., uh, was a, uh, a Baptist pastor, uh, and uh, you know, again, uh, not a perfect man uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Certainly, some very troubling things have been revealed about his past. But one of the things that Martin Luther King Jr. did so well 
was to take the idea of nonviolent passive resistance and use it as a tool, uh, much as it had been used in India, uh, to effect very solid positive change as far as the civil rights movement here in the United States. Uh, you know, again, tragically, uh, gunned down in Memphis uh, and uh, his life cut short. Uh, but uh, one of the reasons that we celebrate Dr. King is, uh, among other things, uh, his famous statement uh, that he had a dream that one day his children would not be judged by the color of their skin, but mm -hmm. by the content of their character. And, uh, you know, again, this solidly biblical perspective, you know, in Christ, we are told there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Uh, the only color that uh, God recognizes is uh, the color red, the, the, the red blood of Jesus Christ that makes us all right with him. Uh, and uh, Dr. King took those biblical principles and applied them in a way that uh, radically changed for the better, I believe, uh, the, uh, the uh, culture of our country and has provided inspiration for other people all around the world uh, as far as uh, pursuing solidly biblical social change. And that, that is why uh, we celebrate Dr. King's birthday. Malcolm X, on the other hand, was part of a group called the Nation of Islam. Uh, and uh, as a result, uh, he believed, uh, contrary to Dr. King, in uh, more, I guess, hands-on, uh, more aggressive forms of trying to achieve social change. So one was a man of peace. Another was a man who uh, pretty much fostered the idea of aggression, if, again, if I'm not painting with too uh, broad of a brush. Uh, the reason that we don't celebrate uh, Malcolm X Day, although both of them were assassinated, really has more to do with uh, the, the heart that they had and the ideas that they promoted as far as legitimate social change in our society. That would be the distinction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what, what a phenomenal social change that occurred. I mean, you're talking about a time where... Uh, not <laughs> around 80 years after the Civil War, you still have Jim Crow laws and, uh, you know, you have such segregated discrimination on a racial level. And he undermined, you know, peacefully. Yeah. Uh, huge social change, changed yeah. the world, really. Yeah, captured the conscience of a nation. Uh, you know, you couldn't look the other way when these sort of things were happening. Mm. So. Yeah. Well, thanks for the question. And I hope that was... Uh, helpful. Uh, Mike Hill, thanks for tuning in and thanks for your question. What will happen to the person who only brings wood, hay, and stubble to heaven and has no rewards? What sort of place will that person have in heaven? Well, uh, I guess, Mike, uh, probably the best way to understand all of this is to go to the passage that you're referring to. It's found in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and uh, the context of all of this is uh, the, the fact that uh, Paul was dealing with a church that on the one side of the coin said was not lacking in any spiritual gift, uh, that they had been enriched in, in all kinds of edification and blessing by the Lord. But uh, boy, oh boy, the Corinthian church was a huge mess in, in a number of ways. And uh, Paul begins by saying, I could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food for uh, until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able 
uh, for whether there are uh, there are uh, envy and strife and divisions among you. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? When one says, I'm of Paul, another, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? So then as now, there were personality conflicts going on. Uh, go on the internet, you know, go on a Twitter feed, uh, and uh, even if uh, the algorithm is uh, funneling you in Christian directions, uh, you're going to see that there are these same kind of spiteful divisions that go on between people that name the name of Christ. And uh, Paul just says it's a sign of spiritual immaturity. Well, how do we become spiritually mature? Well, we need to see uh, our life here, including uh, who we desire to uh, look to for spiritual mentorship, through the, the eyes of God's Spirit. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. So we see that Paul is talking about this division that was going on. And when you got a guy like Paul, he was a guy that planted seeds. Uh, he was a guy that was interested in taking the gospel to regions beyond. Apollos, on the other hand, a, a man who was mighty in God's word, was more interested in discipleship, building people up in their faith. And so you had this division of saying, well, what's more important, reaching the world for Christ or uh, just uh, making things comfortable for people in church? They say, no, 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 unless people grow in their faith in Christ, we can't reach the world for Christ. You know? And so which one is more important? Which, which ministry does God really bless? And uh, Paul's answer is both. It's not an either or, it's a both and. We need outreach and inreach if we're going to be everything that God wants us to be. And notice he says, each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. He says, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, you are God's building. In other words, you, you guys have gotten your eyes on the exact wrong things. Uh, this isn't a work of Paul or Apollos. It is a work of God that is going on here. And boy, what an important thing for us to keep in mind. Uh, if you're built up and edified by a particular ministry, uh, you know, and, and it's a real and significant and lasting uh, impact in your life, making you like Christ, guess who did it? Not that pastor. It was the Lord who did that. It was that Lord using the spiritual giftedness of that pastor to build you up. But ultimately, it's the Lord's work. And Paul goes on and describes the distinction here. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wide master builder, I've laid the foundation and another builds on it. In other words, Paul would go into a place, establish a church, and then people like Apollos would come on and make sure that the church was built up and encouraged and grounded uh, in their faith. And it says, uh, you know, again, but let no one, uh, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. In other words, you have to have that foundation of faith in Jesus. This is absolutely essential. But God is also interested in how we build on that foundation. He says this, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for that day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Now, now what Paul is basically saying here is this. You're trying to figure out who's who and what's what and who's more important and what's more valuable in the kingdom of God. What he's saying is God's got that covered. That's not up to you. 
God is going to give to each one their reward as he sees fit. So you speculating about whether Apollos' ministry of edification or Paul's ministry of evangelism was more important or more blessed by God or more essential is just spinning your wheels, Mm. in essence. And then he says this, if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet as through fire. Mm. In other words, what Paul is saying is, is if you've gotten all huffy at looking at other people that maybe don't share your spiritual gift, maybe they're more into evangelism and you're more into edification. Maybe you're more into edification and less into evangelism. Uh, Instead of getting into this Corinthian conflict, you know, this, this spiritual Donnybrook that was going on about who's really the important people being used by God. What, what Paul is saying is, look, the only thing, that is going to matter is not who did the work, but who allowed the Lord to do the work through them. In Ecclesiastes chapter three and verse 11, uh, Solomon made the observation, this one thing I know, what God does lasts forever. Hmm. What human beings do, even in our best and most well-intentioned efforts, is going to pass away. Hmm. Uh, and, And so if we invest ourselves in things of the horizontal, things that are done by the arm of the flesh, even well-intentioned flesh, uh, building up and promoting, say, one personality over another, uh, being, you know, uh, spiritual Sunday morning quarterbacks, uh, saying, well, you know, it's one thing for them to preach sermons, but they really need to be out here on the streets doing the work of the ministry, mm-hmm. or, oh, these people are just out in the streets doing the work of the ministry, and they really need to be in church. That's not your call. You know, again, it's the, to his own master, he stands or falls. Well, how are we going to figure out who's who and what's what? Well, we're going to discover what was eternal and what was really temporal when we stand before the Lord someday. Mm. Uh, Only what God does lasts forever. Now notice, uh, you can build on the foundation of faith in Jesus with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw. Uh, and, And at any given moment, that's what we're doing. Gold, silver, and precious stones, interestingly, are all things that are just purified by the presence of fire, Uh, and uh, wood, hay, and straw are consumed by it. Now, some people say, well, the fire here must mean like fiery trials or or persecutions here. No, we're talking about judgment here. Mm. In the book of Hebrews, we are told uh, that our God is a consuming fire. So the absolute perfect holiness of God, the eternality of God, his absolute perfection, we stand before him will absolutely consume anything and everything that we bring into his presence uh, that is not eternal, that was not done by him. So, uh, you know, there are going to be some that had that foundation of faith in Jesus, but everything they did, they tried to do for God. You know, in other words, they, they were, by golly, we're going to, you know, apply some spiritual elbow grease to our souls and we're going to try harder for Jesus. And, and, uh, you don't love God enough, or you'd be doing, you know, this and this and you know, these, these sort of things. They all tend to gain a lot of admiration and uh, respect in the here and now, but in the presence of God in heaven, the flesh, no matter how well-intentioned, mm-hmm. those in the flesh can't please God. It's not eternal. It's not going to last. So notice it says, uh, you know, again, 
If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he'll receive a reward. That's what blows me away, is that God will actually reward us for doing one thing, just letting him minister through us, letting him speak through us, let him love through us, let him work through us. All we have to do is let him do that through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we will receive a reward. God did all the work. The only thing we're going to be rewarded for is just saying, okay, God, I'm willing for you to do that. By faith, I trust you that you're going to do that. But notice, if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as through the fire. I guess getting to your question there, Mike, what will be the status of a person like that in heaven? They will be in heaven. And I don't think anybody's going to be disappointed by that. And we don't know what these rewards will look like. We just know that some will suffer loss and some will have great reward. Well, uh, you know, again, the Bible does give us some insight into the nature of rewards. Uh, it talks about crowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, in uh, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, Paul likened our Christian life to running a race. Uh, the uh, people in this earth running for a physical crown, we for an eternal one. Uh, the word crown there is the word stephanos. It's not the word diadem. A diadem was like the kingly crown. I mean, if you've ever seen uh, the uh, the uh, series The Crown, where they put the crown on, on Queen Elizabeth's head, or, you know, again, the, the pictures of uh, King Charles with the big crown on his head and all that, that's a diadem. The stephanos, on the other hand, was a laurel wreath. Uh, it was wrapped around a person who would win uh, an event at the Olympic or Isthmian Games. They would receive it on the winner's stand. Now, uh, we go, well, you know, that doesn't seem as cool as, you know, the imperial margarine kind of crown that we see <laughs> these other people. But uh, you have to understand what the Stephanos represented. If you won uh, an event at those ancient Olympic Games, you would uh, be given a very generous salary for the rest of your life. You'd never have to work again. You would also be exempt from all military service and all income taxes for the rest of your life. And that laurel wreath they gave to you represented that. That represented the the reward that you received for a race well run. Hmm. You know, and uh, when, uh, you know, Paul talks about uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that all of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, the judgment seat, the name there is the word bema. It doesn't refer to a seat of, uh, you know, judicial decision, you know, where some people say, well, we'll stand before judgment and God will give us the thumbs up or thumbs down. No, this is going to be a judgment of rewards. Mm. And uh, apparently these rewards are connected to various crowns, these Stephanos crowns, if you will. Uh, And, uh, you know, they're described in a number uh, of different places, an imperishable crown, a crown of life, a crown of rejoicing, we are told, for those who build people up in their faith. Uh, you know, again, uh, those who uh, endure uh, under punish under uh, temptation will receive the crown of life. Mm. Uh, and then in the book of Revelation, we see the 24 elders casting their crowns before the Lord as an act yeah. of worship. <clears throat> so there are those who believe that these crowns that you'll receive for running your race well uh, are going to uh, be involved in a way uh, of our ability to worship the Lord, our ability to fully enter into all of that. Now, some people who just have that foundation of faith in Christ, and the people I think who need to be most concerned about this, uh, it's kind of different than what we would think. It's not necessarily 
uh, you know, the spiritual slug, you know, well, yeah, I prayed the prayer and I guess I'm in or something like that. Yeah. You know, again, there's a, an exhortation to uh, not, uh, you know, grow weary and well-doing and so forth. But uh, the, the people really need to worry about this, I think, or be concerned about it, are the busy beavers for Jesus. You know, the, the, the people that you run into who say, well, of what the Lord's done for me, this is the least I can do. You know, and you, you just, I, I've seen it. I mean, even in Calvary Chapel circles, I've talked to people who have like this look in their eye like a scared horse. And usually they come out of a pretty gnarly background. Mm. And uh, oftentimes they feel guilty about their past. They feel like they've got to make up for their past. Uh, and they're, they're trying somehow to balance the books a little bit. Uh, you know, and I understand that and it's a very human reaction, but it's not going to be rewarded by God hmm. because the only righteousness that's going to matter before the Lord is the righteousness we are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Uh, that's the only thing that's going to carry the day. Uh, the only rewards that we're going to receive are the rewards that God did through us anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I mean, Adrian, I'm sure you've experienced this before, but but it's it there's there's almost sort of an intuitive sense that we have that that's true, especially when you become a Christian. Uh, you know, I don't know if you feel the same way, but there's just been times where I've seen God use me the most when I was prepared to do it the least. Mm. You know, where where I didn't feel like I was in the mood, or you know, I just had a bad day or, or, you know, just wasn't feeling super spiritual. And then God just does something, Mm. you know? And, and I think it's those God just does something, uh, kind of moments, not because of us, but sometimes even in spite of us that the Lord is really going to reward because it gives him glory. Mm. You know, we can't stand up and say, well, you know, look, God, it was great that you gave me these spiritual gifts because look at the wonderful sermons I preached. You know, the, the, it's funny, sometimes the most impactful messages I've shared have been those messages where like I'll be right in the middle of them and just feel like, man, Lord, I just don't, I just don't feel your anointing. I just, man, it just doesn't seem like this thing's coming together. I don't know if anybody's, I don't know if I'm getting anything out of this. And then God just takes it. Mm. He uses it to change somebody's life. So, um, you know, that's really what the, the idea of rewards is all about. And you know, notice it says that the person that doesn't have rewards is going to suffer loss. I don't know exactly what that means, but it's kind of another one of those things where mm-hmm. I don't know what it means, but I want to find out what it means. You know, I want to live each day and start my day by going, Lord, I am absolutely incapable of doing anything of eternal value mm-hmm. in and of myself. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Just live through me, love through me, speak through me, give me your anointing today. And uh, I, I just give you my life and my will right now. And God always honors that prayer, you know? And I think as often as we have that perspective, uh, we're gonna know uh, that there's gonna be rewards, but kind of like uh, I think Billy Graham's famous statement, there's two big surprises when we get to heaven, who's there and who's not. Hmm. I think the other big surprise when we get to heaven is gonna be what we were rewarded for and what we weren't. Yeah. So, you know, let's make sure hmm. that we're walking by faith because uh, those who are in the flesh hmm. can't please God. Uh, whatever is not of faith is sin. Uh, the Lord wants to love and live and speak and change lives through us, not us doing things for God, but God doing things in and through us. Mm-hmm. That that subtle distinction is uh, sometimes mm-hmm. the greatest distance in the universe. Yeah, I remember one of the first series I was going through as a brand new believer, he said, God's far more concerned with your walk with him than your work for him. 
Uh, that kind of just stuck in my brain all these years. Yeah, yeah. And, and religious people have a hard time with that. Mm. Yeah, because it's all about religious service. Having a Catholic influence in the background of my uh, upbringing, not, you know, my dad was very much an atheist but or an agnostic, but I had a little bit of that Roman Catholicism, and there was very much that mentality of I've got to, I got to stack the deck for my in my favor. <laughs> well, and and in my case, uh, you know, again, I came from a family background uh, where uh, you know, again, love was doled out as a result of performance, mm. and uh, it didn't take me long after I became a Christian. Although the thing that drew me to Christ was understanding that God loved me unconditionally, it didn't take me long before I kind of recreated God in the image and likeness of a seven hundred foot tall critical parent that I could never quite please. You know, and so I stayed busy, busy, busy for the Lord. And finally, the Lord had to pull the rug out from under me and little, teach me some, a, a some little forced humility, <laughs> some important lessons along that uh, line. Real, it's interesting that humility seems to be one of the secret ingredients, especially when Paul talks about them boasting, I am of this, I am of that, and then reiterating, we're all a body, we all have an equal role in, in chapter 12. Uh, is humility something that happens to us, or is it a choice that we could make? Yeah, well, it's all in my new book, Humility and How I Achieved It. Uh, you know, I think uh, C.S. Lewis uh, once said that uh, humility is one of the most difficult virtues because the minute you think you've got it, you don't. Mm. You know, humility is understanding who we are. It's understanding that Jesus is all that and we're not, and that uh, we glory in him, not in ourselves. Well, thanks, God, and God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word, one question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.